0: Ciao, Bella. I am Oceana Fortuna and this is the Breathe Love and Magic Podcast. We'll talk about a magical mix of mystical methods, including everything that works to live your best life, grow spiritually, and maybe find love. Open your heart, expand your mind, and connect with spirit to embrace the magic that is all around you. If you enjoy the show, please give it a thumbs up or write a glowing review and subscribe so you'll know when the next episode is available. And may good fortune come to all those who listen to the Breathe, Love & Magic podcast. And now on with the show. Today's episode of the Breathe, Love & Magic podcast, I have a great guest, Jenny Lee. She is a multi-award winning author of three books, including the prestigious Nautilus Book Award for her most recent Spark Change, 108 Provocative Questions for Spiritual Evolution. A recognized expert in the field of yoga therapy and spiritual development, her other books are True Yoga, Practicing with the Yoga Sutras for Happiness and Spiritual Fulfillment and breathing love meditation in action jenny is a certified yoga therapist and spiritual coach who has counseled through the framework of yoga philosophy and spiritual psychology for over 20 years she is passionate about helping people access soul wisdom and purpose. When she is not writing or coaching, she enjoys surfing with her husband near their home in Hawaii. Welcome, Jenny. Thanks so much for being here today. Hi, I'm so happy to join you today. I'm really excited to uh, get to know more about what you do and share that with the listeners. So tell me a little bit, if you would, about what is yoga therapy? Because I have to admit, I know nothing about that. (laughs)
1: Yeah, a lot of people don't. You know, many people in the West still think of yoga just as the physical postures that you might find in a yoga class, which you can find on pretty much any corner of America these days. But yoga therapy is a specialization. There's a whole international association of us who... Specialize in applying the yogic practices, so both physical, mental, and spiritual practices to daily life and to the challenges that we face being human. So, you'll find yoga therapists who specialize more towards like physical rehabilitation of the body using yoga postures. My end of the spectrum is more on the psycho spiritual end, and I coach people in the practices that really help them overcome things like grief or anxiety, depression, life transitions, any kind of emotional imbalance that they might be going through and looking at some of the inner practices of yoga,
0: if you will. Wow. That sounds excellent. We started in acting. So this is an interesting transition from the stage, or I don't know if you were in film or anything. I didn't read deep enough, but how did you get from one place to the other? Cause that's a major transition.
1: <laughs> you know, life is filled with transitions, right? And oh, yeah. we're constantly recreating ourselves in different ways. When I was living in Los Angeles and my, my, I had a 12 year career as an actress and did everything, stage, film, commercials, all different things. And yoga, I discovered physical yoga at that time. And so it was the practice that really helped me get, feel strong in my body and, Kind of come home to my body in a lot of ways for the first time. I had not been an athlete as a young person. I I danced a little bit, but yoga really put me in my body in a new way, so that was awesome. But then, as life does, it throws us all kinds of challenges and curveballs. And um, I was going through a really rough patch in my marriage and with a, a pregnancy and other life transitions, moves across country, and was not very happy. And so I started looking for therapies and philosophies. I was a studier of many different world traditions for things to help me feel more in balance. And as I started reading some of the yogic texts, particularly the yoga sutras and the Bhagavad Gita, I found that I found the practices that really helped me find inner peace and a deep sense of contentment even as i was going through some major life transitions and so how i got from the acting to teaching yoga and becoming a yoga therapist was that several years sort of fast forward a few years and i was going through a divorce and needed to sustain myself financially and that was the thing that was primary in my life at that time it was what i felt most passionate about and so i decided to open a yoga studio Uh, bold move. (laughs) Now there's, like I said, one on every corner, but back then I was living in a small town in Massachusetts and there wasn't there, there might've been one, but I figured there was room for another. And that I had something to share. So it was pretty organic. And so was the movement into yoga therapy, very organic, just a, a desire to share what had helped me. And I continue to do that 20 odd years later still sharing the practices that have meant the most to me in the times of most difficulty in my
0: life. Wow. You know, I give you a lot of credit because those are some big changes. And I know life does throw us curveball curveballs, and I've certainly had a few thrown at me. So that's a pretty amazing transition. I'm curious, what prompted you to write Breathing Love in particular?
1: Hmm. Breathing Love was my second book. It came from my own self-study in the sense that I had become a regular meditator and I was finding a lot of peace in that, but I wanted to really get a difference. I I wanted to understand and feel like I had a deep relationship with God in a way that I had not before. So I started looking at the quality of devotion, which in the yoga teachings is one of the niyamas. It's that practice of surrender of ourself of everything to the divine however one conceives of that and um, there's many words for that I use the word God so I hope that doesn't bother anyone but I really wanted to feel devotion and understand devotion and what was I being devoted to and what is the divine and how am I connected and feel that connection in a much deeper way. So that book really came from my own personal, like I said, kind of deep dive and personal study into what is devotion how do we live it? How do we embody divine love, universal love? That's not personalized. It's not about the relationship that we're in or what we're looking for from another person. It's really about connecting to that universal energy of love and recognizing that we're a part of it and how it can sustain us. And so that's kind of the, the, way that i found myself into that territory and what i was exploring as i was writing it and hopefully what i convey to the reader through that book
0: you know i'm just going to share a little secret with you which is i call surrender the s word (laughs) and uh, i know a lot of what my purpose here on earth is and it's definitely to forge my own path and speak my truth but one of the things that I struggle with the most is how to let go. Like, I just wish someone would bottle that for me and send it on over.
1: (laughs) Well, you're certainly not alone in that. It is the hardest thing for us to do because we're taught to be self-sufficient and there's, especially in the Western world, there's great praise for those who are self-sufficient and successful. I put that in air quotes and can kind of manage whatever comes to us. And even in yoga therapy, I see a lot of people who don't breathe correctly. Literally they can't, they're not even breathing correctly because they've held so much tension in their bodies, especially in their guts, that their breathing has been reversed and they're They're holding on. It's like we're taught to hold it together. And so this sense of self, that small self or individual self is is fed constantly the messages of you're responsible, you're so important, or you suck, or, you know, whatever the direction that it's going of the day, but it's still... A sense of separate self and that is quite different than when we recognize that we are part and parcel of one great self this divine self or the divine essence the divine love that i write about in in breathing love you know when you when we talk about surrender well that was part of the exploration in that book is like what am i surrendering to and what am i surrendering exactly and so
0: it's all in there. It's all in there.
1: (laughs) And I know you said you just got the book. So I'm excited for you to read that section particularly.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I think that's going to be good. And I look forward to carefully combing through that chapter and material. It's so funny because the idea of like who are we surrendering to and what are you devoted to? And it just is not part of how I talk about my spirituality. And and so that's what's also making me really curious. I lead a group called the Manifesting Power Hour and it's been going on since April and it's going really well. And the women in the group have been manifesting all kinds of things. So it's been amazing to watch and I feel very honored to be their merry little leader. But we were talking about faith And how do we have faith? And how do we trust the universe? And I have a feeling that all of that surrender and devotion has something to do with that. In addition, what we came to spend time on, we we just met last night, was in the expansion. So this is what I focus on, expanding your energy so that you can connect with the oneness. Because when I do that, And when the people in my group do that, we finally connect to what is greater than us and feel that expansiveness, that oneness, that greater, it just always brings joy and relaxation and relief. And we forget to do that all the time. Like We're always connected, but we forget and we're all stuck in our heads and our bodies or whatever. So is that where you're going in a way? (laughs)
1: Exactly. Exactly. And I, I love how you describe that, how we forget to connect or we forget that we are already connected is how I right. would say it, because yes. we separate ourselves, right? The, this energy, the energy that we're both talking about, whatever you want to call it, just the, the energy of life, life force energy is what the yoga teachings call it, is all around us all the time. There's this massive flow of energy just buzzing around us all the time. And so we are connected to that. We are a part of it, but we forget that. And so then we kind of squirrel ourselves off into our little tiny corner of life and all of our stories and problems and hangups. And we disconnect. We we energetically disconnect from that. And I call that energy love. See, that's where the breathing Mm. love comes in for me because- to me, well, one of my spiritual teachers, and I always reference this passage of Yogananda, he says that love is the harmonizing principle of the universe. And so if you just think of it as kind of a law of nature, if we are Immersed in the energy of love, then things are going to be running harmoniously. And if we're not, then they're not. And I know this very specifically with, um, I'll just share, I'm married. And as any married person knows, you know, you don't always agree with your partner. So my husband and I have our disagreements at times. And I have practiced specifically some of the things that I I mean, every I've practiced everything that I write about in breathing love, but there are certain exercises, there's exercises at the end of each chapter. And there are specific ones about literally breathing love in moments when you're really angry. And I have been really angry at my husband, but I've made the choice to place myself into that energy of love, even though I'm really angry. And so then it, it shifts for me, where I'm standing in relation to what's happening. It's like, I'm just making that choice. I'm not going to disconnect myself from love, even though I'm angry about something. And eventually we make our way through it. And we, you know, as human beings, we have our discussions and we come to compromises, but I know that I wouldn't get there if I disconnected from, from love. That
0: makes so much sense to me because it sounds to me that you could be in the energy of love and still angry at your husband because you could, because one is way bigger than the other.
1: Exactly. Exactly. The divine love or the universal love, that energy of love is way bigger than my personal love or his personal love. So as soon as we reconnect to that bigger love, then we open the channel of our of ourselves for it to come through and meet the other person. Now, ideally, two parties are practicing this same sort of sense of connecting to universal love, breathing love, all of the these things. But even one person can do it and it'll make a difference. it yes, make a big I can,
0: difference. I uh-huh. can see that. And because you could probably transmute the energy just by connecting to that love and letting go of the other stuff. And that could change it all by yourself. Absolutely.
1: Totally. Because you think about it when, when two human beings are arguing, there are separate agendas, right? We each have our needs and our desires and things that we're trying to get met. And so if mine bumps into yours, then we're going to have an argument and we're going to try to see who's going to get their need met or their desire met. And if I stay in that egoic place of separate self, then I'm just going to be tenaciously clinging on to getting that Agenda met. Whereas if I let go of that momentarily, I just drop that. I had a teacher that you say, drop the towel, stop hanging on to the towel, just drop it and reconnect to the divine energy. Then suddenly, a whole different kind of experience is happening.
0: Yes, definitely. So what's interesting to me coming from this part of our conversation is that what you call love. I call magic. So it's just a different name because to me, that's the synchronicities of the universe and how everything works together. So, and that's what drew me to you was the name of this book. I'm like, cause I, I didn't know anything about yoga therapy, but I'm like, yeah, but the name of the podcast is breathe love and magic. And this woman wrote a book about breathing love. So that's why I really wanted to connect, you know, because I thought there's something going on there that I need to know about. And maybe my listeners can benefit as well. I noticed in the table of contents that one of the chapters was about the gift of vulnerability. And I've listened to, I think it's Brene Brown, who had a Ted talk about vulnerability. Mm -hmm. So, So what is the gift of vulnerability from your perspective?
1: Yeah, Brene Brown is really the preeminent researcher on both shame and vulnerability. And of course, it's often shame that creates the sense of vulnerability and that from which we then hide. But of course, it, I'm going to go back to the reference of the small or egoic self, that personal self. Which has its own kind of stories and agendas. And that's the part that gets, that feels the shame or feels vulnerable. It feels like it, it has to defend itself and, you know, might be not liked or judged if it says the wrong thing. And if we can recognize that we're so much more than that, like we're so much more than just our personality and our body and our story and our history, where we've come from, we're, we're way more than that. We're divine beings, we're souls that are. eternal and that are just journeying through time and space and, and have a presence that is so much bigger than whatever it is that we are experiencing or have experienced as human beings in this lifetime. The gift of vulnerability is really the, the ability and willingness to show up in any relationship, parent, child, partner, friend, whatever, and say, here's me, here's me as a frail and, and fallible and limited human being with all of my neuroses and insecurities and I know I'm more than that and I'm trying my best and I hope that you, person on the other side of this conversation, will show me your vulnerable self and that we can meet each other there and take care of one another in those tender places but also not stop and see each other just as that, but really hold space to see one another as the glorious and eternal spiritual beings that we are as well.
0: So what's the benefit then of being
1: vulnerable? Compassion, I would say. Compassion for yourself, compassion for another person, just the recognition that we are multi-level beings. And as we meet each other in compassion, that is an aspect of love. So we can't, meet each other there if we're not vulnerable.
0: Okay. I I really see that. And you know, when I do dating coaching with women, a lot of women have had their heart broken and are very guarded now. As a result, I spend a lot of time helping them understand that until you're willing to be vulnerable, which has nothing to do with being taken advantage of or being a doormat or anything else. And you can be smartly vulnerable. You don't have to wear your heart on your sleeve or whatever, but until you're willing to do that, you can't have a heart connection. You won't likely connect with a man at that heart level without that vulnerability.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Because otherwise we're just showing up with a mask on. And so one mask meets another mask and there's nothing really genuine connecting there. So it is definitely through our open hearts, our vulnerable hearts, that we can be met, but I agree. There is a, an aspect of discernment, which needs to be present because not everyone is completely trustworthy or worthy of us sharing our vulnerability. And some people can kind of play the vulnerability card of victimization or whatever. And we don't want to go down that road either. It, it It's not about pandering to a story of vulnerability. It's just the recognition that we all as human beings have a tender side. We do. Even the strongest right. among us have a tender side.
0: Yes. When I so when I was dating I dirty I dated 30 men in 15 months after 40 to find the man I've been married to happily for a long time. So number 28. <laughs> was this guy who was totally wrong for me, but I was so sick and tired of doing the right thing. And I just thought, I don't care. I'm just going to do this. It's going to be fun. And when it stops being fun, I'm going to kick his butt out the door. So I made that promise to myself and I felt I could trust myself to follow through. And it was an incredible experience because first of all, I don't regret it for one moment. It was like so much fun. He was crazy romantic. You know, it was a blast until it wasn't. Then- I realized that in doing that, I allowed myself to be vulnerable with parameters. And so when I ended things, as I knew I would have to at some point, because he was not the right man for me, I had to go through this period of recognizing that I could be resilient. And I had had my heart crushed in college and then just didn't date for I don't know, almost 18 years. I dated a little bit in there, but nothing too serious. Nothing ever went very far. And so it was kind of a long hiatus of being not being willing to be vulnerable. So right after number 28, I took a few weeks to recover and make my heart feel better and become whole again and build myself up and regain my optimism and started dating. And I met 29 and 30, 30 being my husband, Paul. And 29 was also an amazing man. And so those were the first two men out of the 30 that I met that I had a heart connection with and I had to choose between them. So it was really an amazing, incredible shift that my willingness to be vulnerable provided. And it was obviously for me, very worthwhile
1: absolutely and I mean that's an interesting story I didn't know you know about your history but I have known other people who have been heartbroken obviously almost all, every one of us but some people do just stop they they get their heartbroken once and they stop they stop putting themselves out there they stop the being resilient to me that speaks to this complete identification with the story or that personality self that feels rejected or feels unworthy of love in some way. And when we can know ourselves as more than our human essence and our our history, when we really have some sense of ourselves as spiritual beings that are transcendent of all the experiences of our lives, then that to me is what brings resilience. I've had my heart broken so many times. And I just keep coming back for more love because I know that there is a love that is greater than what I've exchanged with human beings so far in this life. And so that's what I'm constantly trying to tap into and certainly feel like I do a lot more now than before as a result of the practice that we started talking about at the beginning of diving into what is this devotion? What am I devoted to? How do I surrender to this great Cosmic energy, you, you want to call it magic. That's fine. I mean, whatever language we want to give to it, it doesn't matter. It's it's right, surrendering right. something to something greater than ourself, and that I, to me is the essence of it.
0: Got it. I saw another line where you said the key to our freedom is the active practice of loving. So I'm wondering if you have one of those examples of daily practice in that or how you want to better describe that so we can understand what you mean well i think
1: we all know sometimes we just don't feel like being
0: <laughs>
1: nice <laughs> 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 we, don't feel, we don't feel like uh, being nice or we don't feel like being courteous or we don't feel like going out of our way to help somebody else. We don't even necessarily feel like hugging our our partner some days. <laughs> I don't know it depends on what mood we're in what we've got going on. Like to me, but the active practice of loving is that choice that knowing I'm either take I'm either gonna act in a way that is going to take me closer to love or it's or I'm gonna act in a way that's taking me farther away from love. Ah. So I make a choice that is kind of self-serving or closed down, like, nah, I don't want to be nice today, or I don't want to hug him because I'm in a mood. I don't feel like getting up off the sofa. Then that's taking me away from love. It's not just taking me away from my partner, but it's taking me away from the energy of love. So I'm constantly choosing that active practice of loving. So like in my mind as a, as a running commentary, are you moving closer to love? Are you moving farther away from love? Is mm. this, is the are you choosing love right now? Are you choosing self-centered behavior and good gracious, we know that the world right now is filled with a lot of self-centered behavior and not a lot of conscious loving. And so I think about this when I'm out and about with strangers, you know, hold the door for the person behind you. I can't even tell you how many times I've had a door dropped in my face recently. Uh I mean, just hold the door for somebody, smile at the person that you're walking by on the street say hello to the cashier at the grocery (laughs) store make eye contact over your mask and recognize that there's a human being there who is having a hard day and just extend a little love that places us into greater flow with the energy of love in the universe and it's bringing us closer it's that simple
0: Well, that of course is exactly what I tell my clients to do. That's so amazing. I tell them, get used to talking to people, talk to people. If you work where there's a cafeteria, smile at the people who are, you know, putting the food on your trays and talk to the people on either side of you in the line or in the elevator or in the parking lot, wherever you go, there's an opportunity to connect and chat and say hello and flirt and Those are what I call low risk interactions because it's not like the ideal man that you're holding your breath and helping so that they just get used to the idea of sharing who they are with people and connecting and that it's okay rather than being in our isolated little worlds and not feeling those kind of, those little, I think there can be a lot of joy in those very short interactions. Huge amounts of joy.
1: Oh my gosh. I remember this was probably almost a year ago now. So last fall, towards the first little break that we had in the pandemic. And I had gone out to a cafe to meet a girlfriend. It was one of the first times that I had connected in person with a friend to have coffee. And we're sitting there at our table. We've taken our masks off uh, because we're sitting and eating. And there's a man sitting at a table just close to us. He was eating by himself. And I remember looking up from my food and I happened to catch his eye. And it was just a simple eye contact with a stranger and he smiled and his smile lit up his face. And the fact that I could see his smile without a mask and that it was just that simple, like an interchange of a smile with this stranger, I literally started crying. My heart was so filled with love for this stranger and this simple gesture of human connection that we have been so robbed of during this pandemic it was profound and it really brought home to me, just like you said, how miraculous and filling, deeply enriching these small, low risk connections can be. And we do need to do them all the
0: time, <laughs> all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it also helps you see that you really are connected to so much more than you think. So, I want to just ask you before we wrap up, because I'm so curious about this. You said that brought you to tears and I have found over the years that the more love I feel, the more I end up crying. I don't know if you can answer that because this is my thing, but what is that about? Like, why would love bring us to tears?
1: Oh, that's a really good question. And I'd, I'd have to say that it is something connected to the sense of flow, right? So tears, we say te- our t- tears were flowing. And tears are a, re- are a release. They're, they're a purification, if you will. And so there's this pure kind of experience when we're crying in love, right? When there's something so joyful or so profoundly loving that we cry. It's like we're in the flow, I think we're in that flow of love, that energy of love. So I would say it's a very good sign. (laughs) Uh,
0: Well, uh, you know, I know it is. I was just curious what you would say and how you would express that. Because when I channel for people or do mediumship and I connect with uh, an ancestor or whatever, I feel this overwhelm of love. And then I start crying and it's not a sad thing. So, I'm like, what is with the tears? So, I've just come to accept that it's probably a reaction to an incredible surge of energy that's really universal and it has to do with love or whatever. But even on my wedding day, <laughs> my justice of the peace forgot to show up. You know, what are you going to do? We're all sitting there waiting, you know? So, I'm like, all right, serve dinner. So, <laughs> it was Cinco de Mayo. So she'd probably been out partying. So anyway, she did show up, but we did get married. And when we got married, all I could do was cry.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: it was just like this enormous flow, a sea of tears. I was like, oh my gosh, because it had been a strong desire for so long. So anyway, I digress. into my own little world, but
1: no, so um... it's beautiful. And it's, it is true. It's like that some, wall, some block that was within, and I, I feel it too, you know, that has just come down. And like I said, we're, we're just in that flow of love then. And I think it's expressed through tears and tears can for sure be just as happy as they can be sad.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you for that. Thank you for that. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been just a thrill. I know people can reach you at Jenny Lee and I'll put that in the show notes so they can, you know, they can see it are there any last words of wisdom or anything you didn't get to say that you wish you could have said to share with the audience? Well,
1: I'm so glad that we had this conversation. It was a delight. Thank you for your good questions. I always like to just end with an affirmation to people that really love is within you. You cannot be separate from it. You are love. You're not alone and you don't, Anything that you're seeking externally is already within you. So just try to get quiet enough to feel the love that is within and know that that is the essence of your being. And as you walk in the world in that breathing, that love that is within you, your whole experience will change.
0: Wow. Well, you made me cry. (laughs) Awesome. You know, uh, that is so beautiful and I can really feel it. And I feel so blessed to have had this opportunity to speak with you today. And anyone who gets to work with you is really lucky. So thanks again, Jenny. I really appreciate your time and all of the wisdom you shared today.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thanks for listening today. Don't forget to like this episode if you enjoyed it. Write a positive review if you feel inspired. And subscribe so you never miss an episode. I'll have more about love and magic next time. Until then, this is Oceana Fortuna reminding you to share your love and seek magic every day.